Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year's Eve, Eve. Man, uh, can we give it up for Jordan and Kayla for leading worship this morning? I know that they didn't want to receive the, receive the praise for that, but um, they are missionaries in New York. Uh, they are worship leaders there, and so uh, we fully support them and their ministry there. And so if you're interested in helping them or getting on their email list or whatever it is, they're going to be here after the service, and they'd love to, to talk with you um, and to get to know you. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that we have made it to 2018. We've made it through it for the most part. Uh, you got a couple more days, so why don't you just look at your neighbor and, and tell them how many more days you've got left uh, to finish your 2018 resolutions. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't need more than a couple words if after that it's just excuses, right? And I think we've all had excuses. I can see some of you guys enjoyed your holiday. You enjoyed the holiday desserts and the candies and the parties that go along with that. I did the same. I, I went full into the holiday season um, and said, you know what, when January comes, I'm going to figure it out then. And so uh, at our Christmas, we have what we call a dessert table. Uh, do any of you guys have a dessert table uh, at your house? We have a dessert table, and we graze there all day long. Um, I think I have a picture of one of it. So this is, our, this is our dessert table that we have. And, you know, there's all types of fudge and pies and cookies and uh, you name it. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, and you know you're in full holiday mode whenever you walk by the dessert table at about 10 o'clock at night and you just pick up a piece of pie with your bare hands, right? And just, you just go at it. It doesn't matter, you're in your jammies all day and, and, and so uh, it's the holiday, right? Um, well, we are closing the 2018 uh, series with our unexpected uh, series and, um, and, and we're looking towards 2019. And so today we're gonna talk about a story that's in the Christmas story uh, but sometimes it's overlooked a little bit. And it's in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. So if you want to turn there, Luke chapter 2, 25 through 35. Uh, while you're turning there, this past year, uh, I had to sell my, my Bronco, my 95 Bronco. And so it's kind of hard. Thank you for the alls. That was really sweet of you. I feel the same way. Um, Betsy was beautiful. She was great. I don't want to talk about it too much more anyways, but I inherited a black Tahoe uh, from my wife's Tahoe and it had some higher mileage on it, but for the most part, it was a little bit more of a dependable vehicle. And so uh, as I'm driving this Tahoe, I'm just realizing that Tahoes that are black are like the most popular car in the history of cars. Like there's not a more popular car than a black Tahoe. I'm driving around and I'm like, oh, there's a black Tahoe, there's a black Tahoe. I come out of the store and I'm like, oh, there's a black Tahoe, there's another black Tahoe. I'm like, which one is my car? I mean, I walked up to my car, you know, and I was getting into it. And all of a sudden I was like, whoo, whoo. I'm like, God. And there was not my car. There was a dog in this car and it was not mine. And it about scared 10 years out of my life. And I'm like, I got to get a sticker or something, you know, it's, but once I started to, once I started driving a Tahoe, I started seeing, it. I couldn't stop seeing it, right? It's weird how whenever we see something every day, it really doesn't matter, but whenever we start to focus on it, how it changes our perspective. Once we start to focus, it changes our perspective. Uh, 
uh, we, we went to a holiday party and there was at some friend's house and they're putting together a puzzle. Yes, that's what 40-year-olds do. They put together puzzles at holiday parties. And it was a Star Wars puzzle. And, and it's like had all these galaxies and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I really didn't want to put the puzzle together, right? I mean, they were like, somebody was like, oh, let's go do this and sit down. I'm looking and I'm like, this seems like torture, right? I mean, like, I'm like, this is great. I love a good puzzle, but I'm like, I don't know. I'll have a night away from the kids. I don't know if I want to be putting a puzzle together, right? So anyways, I'm sitting down just being nice in some senses and, and start to put together this puzzle. But it was funny that the more that I got into the puzzle and the conversation that we were having, it was great. All of a sudden, I started realizing just the small little nuances of the puzzle pieces and how they kind of stood out from each other, and it became challenging and somewhat enjoyable. Today, that's kind of what I want us to talk about as we look through Luke chapter 2 and this, this strange uh, passage that we see here is when we focus on something, that our perspective changes. Here's my question to you. Is it your desire to, to focus on God and to see him change your heart and to see him change your perspective? Do you think that that even matters? Is that something that you wanna to see today? Is you, do you want to see your life change? Do you want to see God move in 2019? Let's look at Luke chapter 2. Let's look at this story about a man named Simeon. Verses 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And had revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what he was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce to your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So before we get into the points that I want us to get into today, I want us to look at a little bit of the context of this scripture. So this is in Jerusalem, it's in the temple. Um, what we just read about through the whole Christmas story, we realize that Jesus was born in a manger. Uh, but there is a little bit more to the story uh, than just, um, you know, just... Jesus and Joseph and Mary being put into a, uh, there's no room for them in the inn and they're put into a manger and they're put into a little bit of a hard uh, context. It, it goes beyond that. What we saw last, uh, what we saw last week through Craig's messages is we saw that, that this time was extremely um, horrific uh, and, and just a terrible time for the for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Son of God to be born. And we see that we have this tyrant king who is killing the firstborns because he is jealous. I mean, 
we see uh, in an article written by Richard Horsley of uh, Harvard Religious Studies. He says he suspects that Joseph cast in biblical literature as a carpenter or woodworker was actually a downwardly mobile peasant who had lost his land. Although some scholars disagree about whether an actual census took place, believing it came years after the birth, they don't dispute that the peasants at the time of Jesus was born lived in an atmosphere of upheaval and social discontent. I mean, when Mary and Joseph have to come, they're supposed to be bringing a sacrifice. The context is they're going to the temple because it's according to the law, the firstborn male has to be brought as, there has to be a sacrifice that's been brought and there has to be a purification process that happens. And so they're supposed to bring a little lamb, um, but most people couldn't bring a lamb. Uh, because there's so many peasants, because there's so, many, uh, there's so much poverty, they would bring like a couple pigeons or some turtle doves. Uh, it, was, it was a place where uh, they would come and they would, they would bring their sacrifice, but it was uh, not just a, a, a time where there was a lot of hope that was there. I would say like 10% of the population was a noble, of, of noble descent or that they, were, uh, they lived lavishly. 90% of the people were probably in poverty or considered pe peasants. So what you can tell here through this passage, and what you can tell here through, through Joseph and through all of this craziness, is that this was not the most ideal time to be born. You later you read, and the, the back part of this, you see that Joseph and Mary have to take Jesus because an angel says you need to flee to Egypt. And so they flee Egypt to Egypt to get away from King Herod. Now if you think about it, God is on the run. God is fleeing from someone. God is running away. That doesn't make sense. God on the run. But if you look at the back part of that, you also see that there was a prophecy that Jesus was supposed to come out of Egypt. The Messiah was going to come out of Egypt. Sometimes when you're running away from something, it's a part of God's fulfillment and it's a part of God's redemptive love. The way that Jesus wins is not by displaying or exercising his power. The way Jesus wins is how he exercises his redemptive love. This is what's revolutionary about Jesus coming and living and being the Messiah. This is the first act of him showing how much that he loves us. So if today things aren't going well in your life, or you're not sure about the future, you're not sure about 2019, you're not sure about that for your kids, you're not sure about that for your job. Maybe it's a part of God's redemptive plan. And then in verse 25, we see a man named Simeon. Now Simeon, we don't get much background from Simeon. They don't, we don't have any really any context to him except for he's uh, probably an elderly prophet or a priest and he's doing those duties. Uh, all we see is just some characteristics. We see that he's devout. We say it says that he's a righteous man. It says he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
The consolation is to console, is to comfort. Someone to comfort them in that hard times. He's been waiting for that. And he said that the Holy Spirit was on him. I mean, those are pretty pretty great descriptors. Those are pretty good characteristics that we find here of Simeon. I mean, who wouldn't want those, right? So here's kind of an overarching theme that I see that we want to kind of think about as we're walking through Simeon's life and as we're looking through the eyes of Simeon, what do we see? So if you want to write this down, here's a principle for today. What you focus on is what you see. What you focus on is what you see. What was Simeon focusing on? Simeon was focusing on seeing Jesus in the midst of having to wait for a long time. He was devout. And he was focusing on seeing the thing that he was devoted to his whole life was to see Jesus. You can, you can tell just by, just by those little verses that it wasn't something that was easy. It wasn't something that was, that was overly simplified. It was that he believed that he was going to see Jesus. So here's the deal. Focusing is hard. That's a good, that's a good way to start. Focusing hard. It's not in your favor to focus. It, focusing takes preparation, it takes determination, all right? I mean, it's like, I, I would love to focus. I have no idea why I'm the one up here talking about focus. I have no idea why this actually came upon me. As I was studying this scripture, and I was studying through this, and I came, and God, I felt like God revealed this to me, and I was like, man, that's good. And then I was like, wait, why am I preaching this, okay? Um, but... All that to say is this, all right? According to STOP AD, which is AD stands for attention deficit, the average modern human has an eight-second attention span. That's the same as a goldfish. (laughs) It's kind of promising. Uh, A typical worker cannot focus on a task at hand for more than 11 continuous minutes. The average student can't focus on a given task for more than two minutes without being distracted. If you're a typical internet or phone user at work, your screen focus lasts a mere 40 seconds on average on work-related things. The worst part is no matter what task you're distracted from, the interruption takes only distracted, uh, once distracted, your brain needs an average of 25 minutes to get back into a deeper state of focus. At the corporate level, this adds up to about $650 billion of loss annually. So no wonder one of our biggest challenges of modern day is staying focused. You know, I like to say that my, my lack of focus is because I'm a dreamer. Some people, maybe some family members might say I'm just a bad listener, all right? I... I I really honestly want to listen to the conversation that we have. Each, I'm trying to look at everybody in the eye in this place. I really want to stay on task as I'm listening to you. But sometimes words that you say trigger ways that I can fix it, or I can actually look down the road and like come to a conclusion, or there's a story that pops up in my head, and about 
30 seconds later, I'm back in the conversation. I missed half of what you said. I'm just apologizing right now. I am so sorry. I'm pretty good at context clues, so I can try to get back into it. But I will say there's probably a big percentage of people in here who've, listen, who've seen me listen to them before where they're like, I know he's not listening to me right now. All right. Thank you for laughing at me in front of everyone. I opened that one up though. All right. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not known as the best focuser or the best listener, right? My wife, when she asked me to go get something at the store, like some fruit or a loaf of bread, I'll come back with some light color powder for the fireplace because it'll make the fire look awesome. Or maybe a coffee cup that says sleigh all day on it and it has like Santa and some sunglasses in a sleigh, right? Because that's great, it's awesome. That's why my wife makes me take a buddy to the store because I get distracted a little bit. <laughs> Ultimately, focusing is hard. I'm saying that to me. Here's the deal. I don't, want to see, I don't want to seem religiously pharisaical as we get into this, okay? And start making you feel bad for not coming to church and not reading your Bible. That's not what it's about. That's not about if you try harder, you're going to focus today. I want to share with you three points about what areas that we can work on focusing that will help us in the long run get to where God wants us to be and to see where God wants us to move. But before we get into to those three points, um, I want us to just look at something that needs to be, we need to soak and we need to, we need to just be drenched and saturated in these three sentences at the very beginning in verses 25, 26, and 27. We see that Simeon, we see in 25, it says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And in 26, we see that it says things were revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. Then we see in 27, he came to the temple in the Spirit. The Spirit is the glue. The Spirit is everything in this passage. This is, this is the beginning of Christ coming and redeeming us and loving us and caring for us in a way that he, he came down and he sacrificed himself and he left us with a helper. That word spirit is ruhach in Hebrew. That word ruhach, it, it's a word that was from the beginning of scripture. It, it, it was, uh, the spirit was on someone like Joseph uh, when he helped him interpret dreams. He was on a guy named Bezalel, who Bezalel, he was the chief artisan in the tabernacle. He, he made the furniture in the tabernacle. He, he made the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. I, he, they said the spirit was on him. So this is what I, the reason why I tell you that is this, because it doesn't matter. You, you can sit up here and you can go, oh, Josh, that's good. I'm listening to you. You're the pastor guy. And so you're supposed to say these things, but it doesn't really apply to me. I'm telling you right now, God has gifted you with some unique gifts and talent, uh, talents. And when the spirit comes upon you, those are activated in your life to do things that you never thought or you could ever imagine. The Spirit is everything. It makes you come alive in your life with whatever you've been given inside of you. It's not about your weaknesses that the enemy wants you to focus on. He just wants to distract you with your weaknesses. 
Ultimately, God has designed you. You are a child of God. You have been created in the image of Jesus. And he has something inside of you that it's untapped unless we give that to the Holy Spirit, unless we offer that as a sacrifice to the Holy Spirit and say, God, use that however you may be. So the Spirit is on him. The Spirit reveals to Simeon. And he walks in the spirit into the temple. This is huge when we're talking about focusing and seeing what we want to see in our life. As a believer, we must trust and be saturated and soaked and drenched in the spirit. It's not just a duty which he says he, he was devout, but it wasn't just that. There was such an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, in John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will make you remember all that I have told you. I love that. Say everything with me. He will teach you everything. He will teach you everything. I mean, God, through the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything. He will bring back to memory things that you've forgotten. He will prompt you. The Holy Spirit is a helper for you. That's what he was saying as a part of being a disciple. All right, so now that we've got the spirit and we've got the understanding that that's, that's, that's what drives it, that's what holds everything together as it talks about in Colossians 1.17, now let's talk about the three areas of our life that can really help us drive to focusing, areas that we need to focus on to be able to see God move. Number one is this. We need to focus on our walk. Focus on our walk. So there's a, there's a saying, there's an old uh, ancient saying that says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, or may your sandals be covered in the dust of your rabbi. When we say walk as a believer in Christ, ultimately what that saying is, is that we want to follow our leader. We want to follow our master. We want to follow our teacher. And not just the words that he is saying, but that we are going to go where he goes. We're going to learn and to do and live life how he lives life. So when we say walk with God, it's not just a knowledge that we are doing. It is a, a lifestyle for us to be able to learn. Walking with God, when we focus on our walk, we don't walk really far behind God. We don't walk really far in front of God. That we learn how to walk with God at his pace. At a fundamental, you know, in America, it's kind of hard to, to walk, right? I mean, we want to do everything's about being fast. Everything's about being f efficient. Everything's about being, uh, uh, you know, how, how, uh, how, how, how much can we win? How can we win? And how fast can we go? And what can we do with that? And we're, we're infatuated with being fast. But walking with God is the fundamentals of our faith as believers, uh, one of the things that LifeWay put out, they, they conducted some research and they said that um, the top spiritual discipline that a believer should have, and they put all these different ones, and the one that rose to the top was biblical engagement. 
So then Lifeway does another research, and they find out that only 45% of believers or, or called Christians actually engage in the Bible on a weekly basis. It's not a terrible t- statistic, but it's a telling statistic. If that's the top spiritual discipline that we should have is to engage in the Bible, then we, I think that we should probably do that. And here at First Colleyville, this is where I, I, I'm honestly not trying to make a plug for First Colleyville as much as I'm trying to make a, a plug for your growth as a, a man and woman of God to be able to see God move. We, we at First Colleyville, we have a, a spiritual pathway for you to grow. And, and in this spiritual pathway, um, we have connect groups. And connect groups, you can get around with groups of people, and they're a little bit larger groups of people. And, and you, can, uh, you can engage in the Bible. You can learn, you can have teachings, you can talk about it, you can conversate about it. You can uh, really have, they have prayer groups around it. It's like, it's the, a connect group is just kind of a bigger body that you, uh, a little bit smaller than this, that you can be able to engage in the Bible together with, right? Now, those are connect groups, but we also have something else called grow groups. And grow groups is a part of our disciple-making strategy. And we have these three books uh, that Craig has written, our pastor, and they're called Walk with God, Reach Your World, and Invest in a Few. And so a part of that pathway, it's about a six to ten month uh, uh, group that you'll get together with a kind of gender-specific small group that you will go and you will learn what it means to be a disciple of Christ, and then also how to make disciples. And this helps you grow in your faith. And it's not just, it doesn't just stop there. I mean, we, we have this morning thrive that we, Craig creates these little videos that kind of help us every day. They're like two minute little videos. At the end of the day, what we're trying to do is help you in your path of saturating yourself in walking with the God so that you know, and you can focus on him. And so you can see what God wants you to see. And so at the end of the day, I don't really care how you do it. Go on to the YouVersion app and, and, and get some devotions. Go to, to Amazon and go look. Go to the bookstore and, and look through the devotions and, and try to figure. Ultimately, at the end of the day, make a plan. Like, try to figure out, like, whatever it is, just drench yourself in it. Like, through the Holy Spirit, He will guide you in that. He really will. Like if you're, if you're so concerned about the steps of the process, stop and just go do it. God can guide you through those things. We just focus on our walk. The second thing is this. Let's focus on your worship. Focus on your worship. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And in his waiting, his worship did not waver. Of all the craziness and all the evil that was around him, he had his eyes focused on Christ and he was devout. You can go a lot of different places and you can find community. You can find it on, a, on a, a ball team with your kids. You can find it in your office and with your workers. You can find it with the people that you hang out with. You can find it in connect groups. But at the end of the day, our worship is much bigger than that. 
Louis Giglio said it like this. He says, whatever you worship, you imitate, and whatever you imitate, you become. I am a huge Mavs fan. I'm an MFLR, all right, MFFR, whatever you say that, right? I, in the, like, in the state of the DFW sports climate, right now, it is amazing to have a basketball savior in Luka Doncic, all right? Hallelujah. Number sevens is like, sevens is, he's the man, all right? And I've gone to, gone to a couple games. I'm on Twitterverse all the time. I'm looking up at stats all the time because I want him to be rookie of the year. Like, I can get into it, like, really hard, right? I mean, like, I took my wife to one of the games, and there's this guy sitting beside us. And the next thing you know, we're talking about it, and he's got a Luka jersey on. And the next thing you know, we're high-fiving it. And then by the end of it, Luka hits a step back. And like, it's like at a really important time. And we're like, yeah. And then we're like girl high-fiving next to each other. We're like, yeah. You know, and we're like, this is awesome. Right? And, and it's because, why? It's because it's like, it's, it's something that I love. And it's something that's great. And it's something, and I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm not saying that the connect group is bad. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that your, your office and hanging out with them and having friends over and all that kind of stuff is bad. But ultimately, here's the deal. They do not have the structure. They do not have the structure of what God has called to be the church that help the widows and the orphans, that have a spiritual pathway, that have a consistent level of biblical engagement. Those are great, and friends are great, and, and they, they can be, you, you can say that they're your church, but ultimately the church comes together, and there's a system and a structure in the way that God has created it for us to be able to come. And here's the problem. If I said today, I'd be like, hey, y'all want a huge church, y'all want a big church, and everybody comes in love, and we have all this unity and all this peace, a lot of you'd be like, yes, I want more people to know Jesus. Yes, I want to have a bigger church. Yes, I want to be able to go out all the world. I want to do all this kind of stuff. But the problem is, as soon as we do that, we have to actually ask people to come. And then we start asking people to come, and it's weird, and we don't even like those people. Why would we want them to come? They're heathens. This is going to mess up our whole vibe. This is going to make up, it's going to be too weird, it's too awkward, it's too dark. Like worship is, it's what we imitate and then what we imitate is what we become. And the church is not just meant to be a holy huddle. A, a, a worship is a place where we come and we bring our offering of our life. So there's a couple different places that we can take inventory in our life and we can see what we're actually worshiping. It's like, where do we worship and who do we worship? Maybe you worship your office, at your office, because you're worshiping your boss, because you think that, uh, that somehow your ambition and somehow gathering things and somehow getting success is what's going to make you happy in your world. Or maybe, if you're, it, maybe it's at the ball field, and maybe your worship is your kids, and you're just doing everything to make your kids what, they, what you weren't, and, and you're just trying to give them everything and stuff that you didn't have, and you're just putting all that time and that effort and the focus into it, but ultimately, at the end of the day, that's not going to be fulfilling, that, that's not gonna be fulfilling either. At the end of the day, our worship, our mind's attention, and our heart's affection need to be pointed towards Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus, everything else will fall into place we'll be able to see something that we would never be able to see. Simeon saw something that no one else 
Saul, because what you focus on is what you see. So maybe take an inventory. Where do you spend your time? And who does your attention go to? Last one is this, focus on your words. Our words are a picture of our hearts. Out of the overflow of the mouth, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Simeon, in this, uh, this prayer that he gave, and in his words in this scripture, the first part of it in verse 29 through, 30, uh, through 32, it's a prayer of praise of what God has done in his life and what he is seeing because of the promise that he was given. And then in verse 34, we see him as he's giving uh, his words to Mary. And he talks about the truth of what's going to happen. He says, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the hearts of many may be revealed. He, he's praising, but he's always, he also has purpose. And so there's two, there's two ways that you can look at your words as you're inventorying your words and as you're focusing on what's coming out of your heart in this next year is, is it praiseworthy and is it purposeful? It doesn't mean that you don't say anything negative. It's just what's the purpose behind that? Sometimes we lose the fact that our, our faith is, 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 is an action. And it's hard for us to really take an inventory of the things that are said and the things that are done because we don't want to face that. But at the end of the day, when we focus on Jesus, when we focus on what God wants us to focus on, it doesn't matter about what we have and what we've done. It's a matter of what he's done and how he's going to use us. Because whenever Simeon came, he came not, he, he came to the temple. He, he wasn't going, God, what am I going to get out of this today? He came with a devotion he came to, uh, to help people as they uh, brought their offering and their sacrifice of praise. When we come into this building, when we come together, a lot of times we think, that, what are we going to get out of this today? And what God wants us to do first is to offer our praise. He wants us to be able to, to bring our offering of our concern. It's for us to become more self-aware of who we are and where our heart is at. And when we do that, what we see is, is that God reveals to us through the Holy Spirit, that he reveals it to us. So when people come through these doors as believers, did we come with something to offer God today? Or did we come going, hmm, I wonder how the music's going to be today. Huh, I wonder what Craig's going to talk about today. Or do we have something to offer? A lot of times we can tell by our words. I don't want to uh, go any further with that point because what we're doing next week and we start in our series, we have a new series called Bad Advice. 
and uh, it's going to be great in the new year. Um, we're going to talk about words, and we're going to talk about wisdom um, that we can give each other. And so uh, the last thing is this. Let me close with this. Uh, this week I was reading about uh, a missionary uh, named uh, William Carey. And uh, he was a missionary in India. And uh, he, was, he was kind of an interesting guy. Uh, in his year, early pastoring years, he was known as a miserable enthusiast. That's what they called him. <laughs> uh, that his ideas were crazy and why would you do that? Uh, he wasn't really supported by his church. He wasn't funded by his church. He wasn't funded by organizations at the beginning. Um, he just seemed like a man with a lot of lofty goals and dreams. Um, eventually, William Carey, he uh, started an orphanage. Uh, he, he started a school uh, for uh, some impoverished children. He taught them how to read and write and do accounting. Uh, he taught them about the Bible uh, but he didn't just do that. He was also a shoe cobbler. Uh, he was a linguist. He was a surf, social reformer. Uh, there was so much to who he was and what he was about. God gave him a huge vision to reach unreached people. And so if someone told him that he shouldn't do that, or if someone wasn't going to fund him um, and he stopped, um, there would be... Thousands upon thousands of people that would not be reached for the gospel who wouldn't be using their gifts every day for the, for the kingdom. And one of the things that William Carey said uh, that, that kind of rings true and that I want you to kind of sit upon uh, and I want you to think about is he said, expect great things from God, but attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, but attempt great things for God. At the end of the day, if we are not focusing on what God wants, we are going to end down a path that leads to destruction. But when we focus on what God wants, when we focus on who he is and what he was about and his redemptive love, we no longer keep score, but we lavish grace upon grace on people's lives. We love people in a way that is beyond imagine and that people outside see us and they question, why would you do that? See, wonder knows that although you look directly at light, you can't look directly at light, all things are seen by it. And just because we can't understand God sometimes, just because we look at our circumstances and it doesn't make sense, it doesn't mean that God's done. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care. If it's not good, then God's not finished yet. And I hope that you can believe that today as you focus in 2019. God has a plan for you. I, I want you to get into a Bible study. I want you to get into a spiritual pathway. But you have to take the step. You have to see, God, I'm going to surrender. You have to bring that offering to him.